Jeff Baumgartner with us from North Dakota State University's Criminal Justice Political Science Department. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I, I can't complain. I got a couple sports questions for you first. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, well, did you see the Seattle Kraken's new name and logo this uh, today? The, the new expansion team for the National Hockey League. I have not seen that, but I, that, I'll be interested to hear what it is. Yeah, it, it's it, they got some cool logos. I they have like a very dark, I would say it's kind of this Seattle, not green, but they're going with, with like a very dark blue, like a, a very dark navy blue, and then kind of a more lighter aqua type of blue, if I can describe that, if I'm doing that very well. I, I shouldn't say oh, aqua. Oh, it up right now. I'm seeing it. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And like, but, yeah, a navy a cool anchor. Name, yeah. <laughs> Are you in the Pirates of Caribbean or any of that stuff or? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the one where they had the Kraken. Yeah, I, I've never yeah. seen any. of I've yet to see one of those movies. If you can believe that. Oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. There's there's a lot of movies that I don't see anymore uh, because all my kids have grown up. But you know, truth be known, as they were as entertaining for me, I'm sure as they were for the kids. It's just now I'd have to be a, sort of a a creepy looking adult sitting in a sure. movie theater watching a kids movie. So uh, I'm used I to no that anymore so well and then you know the movie theaters aren't gonna open them a new release till who knows when so it's just a, well that's true yeah we got that going yeah, for us um so we got that and then the other thing mike zimmer looks like he's gonna get a contract extension i i i was kind of surprised they didn't get that done last winter but he is okay. going he's going to uh be there and i guess you know co- you know coaches contracts are as good as the paper they're written on other than the owner has to pay him out but a little extension there. I, I'm not surprised going to the playoffs last year. Obviously, <laughs> won it going into the playoffs and getting knocked out after uh, you know they won one game, lost the next one to the eventual NFC champions. Not surprising yeah. that he gets an extension. I, and it's one of those things where I think everyone says, "Well, we need a guy to get us over the hump." But then if you don't get that guy, you can end up with Mike Tice or Leslie Frazier, right? So it's just it's right. A, <laughs> it's right. No. Right. Uh, and then, about Mike Tyson. Wow, yeah. yeah, well, it's, uh, and then finally, uh, before we get into the, the real nuts and bolts of what we usually talk about, uh, so, I mean, how are you preparing for classes back at NDSU? We're getting closer and closer to, uh, what, a month away till we expect kids to come back to class, unless we have some really crazy thing happen. Do you expect everything to go pretty smoothly? Uh, well, I don't know if everything's going to go smoothly, but I, I expect everything's to go, you know, something is, you know, something will happen, you know, I just don't know. I don't know what, uh, um, you know, right now the, the plan definitely is to bring everyone back, um, on campus and, and, uh, there's, there's no, uh, planned modifications to the schedule. So, you know, we're planning on having students coming back after Thanksgiving, for example, you know, that's, that's currently the plan. It's going to be a, a true real full semester, fall semester on campus. But it is uh, it is being modified in significant ways. Uh, students will have the option uh, not to come to class uh, and and to sort of log in in real time and, and view the lectures and whatnot. And then uh, faculty will have to create ways for them to participate. If there's participatory assignments in class, we're going to have to figure a way to uh, to allow students who are who are attending remotely to participate as well. Mm. Um, and then also. We've got uh, another restriction uh, that we have is that, uh, um, you know, for, for spacing purposes in the classrooms, if 
if uh, we have too many students in the classroom, then we have to figure out ways to, to divide it up. Maybe have half the class come on one day of the week, and then you know the other half come on another day, and do something different on the third day. You know, I mean, so there's there's things like that that's going to have to happen. Um, you know, the, the the one thing I'm not a big fan of, uh, but you know, of course I'll play ball, I'll do as I'm told. Um, but uh, um, as far as masks are concerned. Uh, as it is right now, faculty will have to wear them even while lecturing. And, you know, I could be 30 feet away from the nearest student, you know, so there's plenty of social distancing there uh, and yet uh, still have to wear uh, a mask um, while, while lecturing. And, and that's, you know, that's a, you know, for some people, that's maybe not a big deal. But for me, I'm kind of an expressive lecturer and, and my, my facial expressions tell part of the story. And, and I, so so it's gonna, it's definitely gonna rain on my parade a little bit uh, as far as lecturing goes, and uh, hopefully people will understand me through the muffled, you know, mask. Yeah. But, uh, um, you know, I, I I agree with the idea of everyone wearing masks indoors, and and but I I feel like there should be a, an exception for faculty uh, who are lecturing, just like there's a, an exception when you're eating, you know, that kind of thing. So. Well, um, I mean, but, I'll, I'll put it this way: you think about the head guy that everyone looks at, right? When he's right. spe- when he's speaking at the podium, Doctor Fauci, and he- he's not wearing a mask usually when he's at that podium. Right. I, I, so I, I guess right. if we're following his lead on everything, I guess that would be one way yeah. to lead. I mean, if you're at the podium there, there I think you could be and you're thirty feet apart from everyone. I think that is a a workable solution. You would you would think, right. but I, I'm guessing yeah. what you, you, I guess you know you look just look at. Uh, Chancellor Hagerot and you know Dean Brashani and all them are just trying to cover all their bases. I mean, right? I mean, I get, and that's right. and that, I think that's what you're seeing with leadership at every level. I think that's gonna what's really gonna be coming down for the governors as they try to open up school on every side of the river here. So yeah, it's gonna be right. kind of curious. Right. Uh, what's well, your, go ahead? And I I actually applaud you know the you know the the president President Brashani. I mean uh, that. I mean, you know, fairly early on, he committed to, you know, making sure we were back on campus, uh, and and he really hasn't wavered from that, um, uh, even while other universities around the country are are going to online for the fall. It's clear that students and families they they want to have an on-campus experience, and NDSU is doing everything it can, uh, and so are other uh, universities in the system, I think, but. Uh, you know, here in North Dakota, higher ed is doing what it what it can to to try to have that on campus experience for students, and and uh, and so I appreciate that. I've you know two kids in college right now uh, here in in the, you know at NDSU, and I know that you know they they are not fans of the online format, and would probably be taking gap years, uh, but for the fact that they can come back, and so um, and I I think a lot of parents and students feel that way. So I think it's you know it's 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 sound business practice for NDSU to do that, but it's also, I mean, it's just, it's what the, it's what, it's what our constituents want. It's what our customers want. They want to be on campus. And so uh, I'm glad that NDSU is trying to find a way to make that work. Yeah. It's interesting. I, uh, I just saw these survey results from my hometown and it was like 60 plus percent or whatever. said they want uh, the option of, in contact learning. I talked to actually some kids in the neighborhood and there's no doubt what they want. They do not want to go through what they went through in April and May. Yeah. They did not like that at all. So it's, it's, it's really going right. to be trying as far, as far as a faculty member, member, you're not over 60 by any means, but your thoughts on that, right. because I get asked this a lot as a substitute teacher, 
I haven't actually used my license in a while. I haven't, you know, because of my schedule, I can't. And but I thought a lot about this. I guess I would be concerned, like I am anywhere I go. To be quite frank, does that make any sense? I mean, I've been in schools yep. and I've had viral and bronchial infections and you know bronchitis because they are just germ factories anyway. But I guess, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, I guess I would actually teach if I was able to, knowing the risks. Yeah, well, and that's where I'm at as well. I, I want to teach in person, but. You know, one good thing I think that the university is doing, and again, I think this is being done system-wide, so it's, it's not just NDSU, but, but certainly NDSU is a part of this, and that is I think they're making available, you know, the option for faculty, especially faculty with risk factors or who might be more vulnerable, right. older faculty, uh, faculty with, uh, you know, chronic conditions that might be implicated by this disease. Um, they're allowing them to teach remotely. You know, so the system they're setting up not only allows students to to attend remotely, but you could even lecture remotely. Even while students are in the classroom, they would see a, a, a screen and a, you know, and the faculty member, I suppose, lecturing, you know, from afar, uh, you know, being broadcast onto the screen. Um, but the idea is that people can come and go throughout the semester, even if somebody gets uh, COVID or gets exposed to COVID and therefore has to, you know, quarantine, that we don't have to stop classes, that whether it's faculty or student, um, you can continue to teach and continue to uh, consume the lectures uh, from afar if necessary, but hopefully uh, for most of the semester uh, in person. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be tough. I, and I actually wrote a blog, a couch potato commentary on KFGO.com that I guess I should have probably sent you. And I, I shared it on Facebook, I know, but I kind of said the same thing. If you do have someone who's not feeling comfortable as an instructor, make sure you send them in. I think one of the biggest things on that the governors have to do and make eventually ask for federal assistance is I have a short call license. I don't have a teaching certificate. I don't, I, but I, as a four year uh, college graduate, I'm able to substitute teach on the short call license. I can't do long-term okay. subbing or anything like this. And that's, that's how they have it set up in Minnesota. And I think they should maybe have some exemptions, maybe for two year, you know, uh, college graduates or whatever it might be. And then also sure. I would also propose what I propose in my column is, you know, if you have someone that's going to one of the three colleges here or any college and they got to do their student teaching, maybe accelerate if they're a sophomore or junior to get in there and try to do it. And they can at least get that short call license, get paid, and then watch that teacher zoom in, you know, at least kind of and, yeah. and help out with discipline or handing out materials or whatever. Because for that, you right. know, 62-year-old teacher who wants to Zoom and doesn't want to come in contact with everyone, I understand that. And I think that's one thing that they could do. It's just that the state, I think, is going to have to come up with some money for these short-call subs to do that, actually. It may be called yeah. a glorified babysitter or whatever, but, I mean, that's just kind of the way, the world that we're in right now to make this work for the kids. Yeah. Actually, I, I mean, that, I, that, that sounds actually pretty cool to me. That sounds like a good idea. I, I don't know all the ins and outs of that, but I, I mean, that seems like that would be a, a potential solution for faculty or, you know, teaching faculty uh, in, in, in K through 12 that are having concerns, you know, get, get people, uh, uh, you know, if, if these teachers have concerns, get, get some, some of these, like you say, maybe some education students coming in to, sure. to sort of proctor the class while the, while the, while the teacher remotes in. Um and heck, in some cases, that might actually go over really well because you know a lot of the kids you know enjoy the uh, sort of the the college age sets and uh, uh, you know admire them and respect them and maybe they'd even be you know better behaved. Who knows? But uh, 
Um, I'll flip the yeah. coin on that one. Like that, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But things like that are the way, you know, what they have to do. They gotta, gotta be creative, uh, maybe permit things that we normally wouldn't permit. Um, but that would still be superior than calling off the school year. Well, and, and that's what I've been kind of, and obviously a lot of people fire back at me, but I think, I think the easy thing to do is just to shut everything down, right? Whether it be high school yeah. sports, or whatever. And I think, I, I just don't believe in that. Looking at the actual numbers, the way they're going right now, I think that's. I, I think there's got to be creative leadership ways to do it. And as you said, there have been a lot of that in this region. I'm just talking about this region. There's no doubt that yeah. schools are going to open up differently here than they are right now in Arizona and Florida. Is that safe to say? Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and rightfully so. And plus, with their sporting events, they can move that around. I also said if there is any concern in Minnesota, I think North Dakota and South Dakota are going to move forward, but I kind of proposed just flip-flopping the spring schedule with the fall schedule of sports. You know, start because volleyball's indoor, move that to the spring, and hopefully there's a vaccine or a drug therapy or this thing kind of burns itself out by that time. And then you have right. then you have softball, baseball, track and field, and golf now. And you could start about August 15th. I don't know if the Minnesota State High School League is going to do that, but it certainly is a better solution than just canceling it altogether. Yeah, that's that is an interesting idea. I guess I hadn't thought of that, but uh, we still have, you know, I, I think, you know, many, many weeks, even a few months of nice weather. And so maybe you could, I guess you could fit those seasons in mm-hmm. uh, on the front end. Um, but, uh, um, and then, yeah, like you say, maybe by, of course, even when they have a vaccine, who knows how quickly it would be that, that, you know, we would have the vaccine, right? I mean, uh, you know, vaccine, even if it's, you know, ready in the in the early part of uh, of the next year. Who knows how long before before we get our share, or you know how how long it has some some impact on infection rates and so forth. But, right. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping we have, you know, we have you know the lion's share of the sports season, both for high school and and college. College is already looking pretty depressing right now, but uh, um, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, the college football thing certainly is tough with. You're dealing with different governors with different college presidents. I mean, that, that that's where the complication comes in there more than anything else. And, you know, there's no real governing body, especially when it comes to FBS football. So I don't know how that's actually going to play out for sure. Uh, like uh, doc, Dr. Jeff Baumgartner is with us from North Dakota State University's Criminal Justice Political Science Department. A couple more things for you. We mentioned masks earlier. Governor Walls yeah. came out with a mask mandate. I have no problem wearing a mask. I, I've been doing it for a long time. I sometimes forget quickly going in and out of a convenience store. I'm going to try to get better at that now that uh, it, it's a mandate in Minnesota. But for grocery stores and the Walmarts and Targets, I've been doing it for quite some time. It's not the worst. And it, for me, it's just not the political fight to fight right now. And it, you know me more as right. a moderate. It just isn't worth my time. Because right. I, I, I don't like the term stop the spread. I like the term possibly could slow the spread because I, I, I think there's mm-hmm. there's too many absolutes with this. But yeah. the libertarian comes out in me in the fact that I think I have no problem with these box stores, grocery stores, whatever, saying please or mass require to come in. I, I don't know how I feel about the government, actually. And I understand it's public safety or whatever, but it just part of the reason is because your other line of the work, it's almost impossible to enforce. I, mean, I, I don't know right. how you do this. Well, you know, I, I tend to be fairly libertarian as well, as you know, Um 
but maybe I've already been sort of desensitized by the lockdown, you know, with all the businesses being shut down and being told you can't worship in churches in so many different states and places that that this doesn't seem all that more outrageous than some of those kinds of things at times. <laughs> and so, um, you know, so I, I, I kind of take it in stride. Uh, of course, I don't live in Minnesota anymore, but um, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that happen here. Um, and for all practical purposes, it kind of is happening here because, as you said, all you know, a lot of the major stores are uh, going to require uh, those, and they have every right to. And it, it may be good, sound practice. You know, I'm I'm coming around to that thinking as well. That okay, well, yeah, they told us we didn't need them initially. Then they told us we do. Then they told us cloth isn't effective. Now they're saying it's better than nothing. And right, you know, putting all of that aside, I'm coming around to fine, whatever, you know, you know, tell me what to do today. And that's what I'll do today. Uh, cause I just want to get my groceries. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I've become a little bit desensitized to the, to the sort of the intrusion. And this one seems actually less intrusive to me than, than, you know, than some of the others like shutting down churches while keeping bars open, things like that. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the inconsistency of that has driven me, as you know, has driven me crazy for a long time, because yeah. I think even it, it's bothered me a little bit when it came to these outbreaks in Florida and Texas and California, when they're blaming it on the bars. I'm like, well, I mean, come on, young people who are going to the bars, they probably are made to social distance more than when they get together during garage parties back in April. when the right. two, I mean, it's, people are getting together, right? It's just, right. and the inconsistency of, listen. If people want to protest or whatever, but to say to say that the Houston sixty thousand person march didn't have anything to do with it, but then it's okay to close down beaches. I, I'm just, right. I'm just, it's just okay to say it was worth the risk of doing that march if you want to say that. I, I don't. Yeah, that would be more intellectually honest. Right. Exactly right. That would be yeah. Fine, say that. That and, and you might be right. That might be true. You know, and it's like so say it. Uh, but yeah, quit. You know. You know, quit you know blowing smoke up our skirts about this, right? I mean, it's right. like just tell the truth, and and that's that's all we want is just just tell the truth. And we've been told over and over again to follow the science, but both sides are selective in their science that they follow. And so, oh, isn't that the uh, truth? Oh. And, yeah. and and talk about and, and so much of it when everybody says hey, I'm following science. Well, I mean, scientists are disagreeing on this all the time. If you look at it, and that's then, right. Yeah, the scientists are, are exactly right. So. Let's, <laughs> Hear them all out, and let's see, you know. And but it, anyway, it it is interesting. But yeah, I've, I've I've my wife was much quicker to come around to masks, and and she's been very good, you know, about that. And and on my case, a lot. And I've I've pretty much gotten in the habit now of wearing them into the grocery stores and places like that. And at least starting off that way, and then kind of seeing the lay of the land. And if if I'm the only one wearing one, then maybe I'll take it off or whatever. But if, you know, half the people are wearing them, I'll keep it on, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, even I'm a slave to a little bit of peer pressure there. So, um, but, uh, yeah, more and more places, even here in North Dakota, are requiring it. And so I think it's going to be a feature for a while. Uh, you know, I'm actually investing now, finally, in more comfortable masks and not just the the, the ones that my mom made that pull my ears forward. Um, <laughs> uh, and... Uh, we're actually buying real masks, and and because I I think it, I think it's going to be with us a while, so it's uh, might as well might as well settle into it. So. Doctor <laughs> Doctor Jeff Baumgartner with us from the Political Science uh, Criminal Justice Department. If you want to join us, two three seven five nine four eight. You can text us on the seven zero two communications text line three five two seven zero. Well, as you know, it, it gets so political, and the president. I'm going to get to this in just a bit, but 
we, we were talking around here. I really thought that the president missed the mark here because he wasn't winning this argument. And he should have, mm-hmm. in his campaign, they should have been putting out MAGA and, you know, Trump 2020 face masks out a long time ago, right? I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I think they missed the boat there instead of arguing, because it, and I know it's stereotypical to say that it was just Trump supporters and non-Trump supporters in the mask argument, and that's not true, but certainly a lot of majority of this was going on. I, I think I'm safe to say, and I, yeah. I said to a lot of my real Trump fans, I said, Hey, if you want to drive liberals crazy, wear a Trump mask. Those, that's yeah. that's more funny for you than if you don't wear a mask and people get mad at you. <laughs> yeah. And be well, accused and, and of I killing really, people. Yeah, I, I love the idea of doing that. I mean, both both campaigns could have uh, yes. really done that and, and, and made a, you know, it, you know put, what a great way to put your message out or get some branding out there. But, you know, you know the idea that only Trump supporters you know, I know that's sort of out there that this is sort of a Trump supporter phenomenon of not wearing masks. And I get it because it's, that's the libertarian angle or the freedom angle or whatnot. But, but all you got to do is look at, you know, again, look at young people, look at who's congregating together and not wearing masks so often. And, nope. you know, Trump isn't necessarily doing very well with uh, younger voters. And so uh, I don't I don't think it is it, it has sort of neatly breaks down, uh, you know, the, the, the wearing masks or not. I don't think it breaks down, for, you know, sort of cleanly along political lines. I just think, I just think, uh, you know, some people find it inconvenient and don't care or don't feel impacted by it. And, and that, that could be people of either political stripe. And, and so it is a, it is a messaging thing. And um, it is interesting now that the president has finally come around to, to, to promoting uh, masks and, is is where his uh, you know his surgeon general was you know two months ago, um, but um, and Dr. Fauci as well. But um, but yeah, you're right. He could have you know what a boy that would have been something. It would have been a real conundrum for for the Trump critics. You know, take that mask off or not. You know, <laughs> leave that on. No, take it off. I'm, I don't know what I want you to do with that. But uh, uh, but it would have been uh, it would have been interesting. So he, he missed that boat. You're right. And here's where I think, now follow me on this political thing, and, and, and I just want to say, as more of a moderate, I, I feel like I see this kind of clear because I don't, you know, both parties sure. drive me crazy. But so President Trump kind of, he kind of does somewhat of a Mia Cope on mass, right? I mean, he's he's not really pushed the, the envelope on it too much. I think he, because he always goes by what he feels like his followers want, right? And I, but I think he's getting beat up so bad on this, the way he's handling COVID. And when he's, when he talks about health and COVID-19, he just seems so in over his skis. I don't know if you agree with that or not, mm-hmm. but, but it just, he, and he's getting beat up. And then, you know, then Dr. Fauci and others cont- kind of contradict him. And so he's, and everything he says, I mean, I, I, as I said to you last week, uh, if he said, let's not open schools, people want to open schools. Cause I, you know, the hydrochloroquine thing, I mean, everything, it's just like everyone wants to do the opposite. So I think right. what he, so I, what I think he's doing politically here, and that's why I think he's an evil genius when it comes to politics, is he's trying to switch the narrative, and it's starting in Portland. And I can guarantee you, if this secret police thing starts going in Chicago, I know what the narrative is going to be. Because I, I think when you're looking at that suburban vote, vote, which is huge for him, right? It certainly was big for him in Wisconsin and you know the outskirts of Milwaukee. And certainly on the outskirts of uh, Detroit, what have you, that was big for him. And seeing people protest and then some that turn into riots, that's a winner for him if he is the law and order president. Do you agree? 
I do agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, if, you know, if he is successful in having some sort of hand in, in, um, you know, in putting those riots down, it's interesting. I mean, I think he, I think he might, he might be over promising, you know, like just today I saw news clips of him saying, you know, you know, we could, you know, we could solve it, but they got to invite us in. It's like, you're not going to solve it with 150 extra federal agents. I mean, uh, yeah, defend your courthouse in Portland for sure. Uh, but uh, you're not going to solve, you know, 40 years of crime in Chicago with uh, a surge of federal agents. Um, and so, you, you know, there may be a little degree of, of overpromising there. But, um, but on the other hand, uh, in general, when, when these cities are experiencing all this mayhem and, and these riots are just going, you know, for days in and days out, uh, to the extent that 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 you know, Democratic uh, politicians, governors, and mayors are telling the president we don't want your help uh, while doing nothing about those riots, I think that totally helps the president. Um, I think it helps him more than if he actually goes in and, you know, does a little bit around the edges and, and but really still, I mean, uh, you know, what is, you know, ultimately what is, what is accomplished? Uh, you know, have you, have you solved the, the, the homicide problem in Chicago? Probably not, you know, by the time elections, uh, elections no. come around in November. But, but I don't even think, um, that, I don't think he has to solve anything to be, I mean, I think this is how sadistic this is in some ways, Dr. Baumgartner. I think, I think just a show of force and because how often has, you know, when we talk about black lives matter, blue lives matter, that whole thing. And then we always talk about how many people died on a weekend in Chicago, right? So I think right. so. The imagery of him going in and having looking like he's trying to clean up what all these Democratic go, uh, governors and mayors haven't been able to do is just going to be right. fuel for what he needs. Because I don't even know if there's he cares about a solution, but it's all about mm-hmm. imagery of that he went into this liberal town and he's trying to clean mm-hmm. up the violence that none of these folks ever could. And I think that's where he's at with this. And I, I mean, yeah. I'm just talking political strategy here. It, and it, yeah, it, that looks good. Yeah, that that I think that image does help him. Uh, I, I would agree with you there. Um, but I do think that I mean, uh, again, he runs the risk. You know, if, if we surge agents to Portland, right, to defend the federal building there, um, and that 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 one's kind of close to my heart because I worked for one of the agencies that's on the front line there. I used to work for the Federal Protective Service, uh, and it was an FPS uh, officer that was killed in Oakland. Uh, early on uh, in the early uh, aftermath of the riots, and then and then it's uh, FPS uh, agent and a U.S. marshal, a deputy U.S. marshal, both that have suffered permanent uh, eyesight loss because of lasers being pointed at them in Portland. Oh. So, so I, I see these guys who and gals who were you know my colleagues in the past, and uh, they're just having a heck of a time pushing back these you know thousand people or so every night, and uh, you know you surge agents to protect the courthouse, but you're still just, you know, repairing fence lines and pushing people back. And, uh, and, and we have another 50 nights of rioting. Uh, yeah, they don't, maybe they, they don't breach the courthouse and burn it down like they did the third precinct in Minneapolis, but, but it still is disorder. And, and so if the president acts, I think he needs to act in a way that is some is somehow can be seen as effective. And you could say, here's what it was before. And then, and then I acted, and here's what it is, you know, now. And I think he runs the risk of just sort of looking like he can't handle it any better than uh, a governor can or than a, a mayor can, uh, that he's not really contributing to the solution. So, uh, it, you know, the Portland one is a, is a layup for him. I think he actually should go in there 
and 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 absolutely put down that riot, uh, at least around the courthouse, and and get rent as many you know unmarked vans as you have to to sweep everyone up in there that's uh, got a Molotov cocktail in their hand or is otherwise trying to break through and and damage that building or injure officers, and uh, just make it costly for protesters to be protesting at the courthouse. Go go protest you know at city hall, you know burn that down if you want, but if you're gonna attack a federal building, you're going to prison. That's what the message needs to be. He can do that. Uh, he needs to do that if, if that's something he's going to hang his hat on. Uh, text message comes in, Dr. Baumgartner, is it constitutional? I think, you know, protecting the federal building is. The question is, Certainly. I mean, I think the the other part of it is actually policing the streets. That's a, that's a little bit more of a gray area. But I guess where you and I might differ on this, Dr. Baumgartner, I don't think he cares. I just... I think chaos. Yeah. I think chaos in any type of law enforcement. When it comes to law enforcement versus Black Lives Matter, that's the fight he wants politically because I think that's where yeah. he can win the electoral college, if that makes yeah. any sense. But I mean, right. I mean, and that's kind of the, and that's just how ugly politics have become right now. <laughs> I mean, right. This is right. where we're at. I, I, I just, well, to the, yeah. To, to the text messenger, I would just note that. Uh, what these federal officers are enforcing is federal law. And you can enforce federal law. If you're a federal officer, you can enforce it on or off federal property. Uh, so there's no constitutional issues there other than if you want to talk about sort of the, you know, the, uh, the overreach of the federal criminal code. And that's, I think, a fair conversation, but that's, that's not one that Democrats have ever been concerned about in the past. Um, well, but, I mean, uh, just in the in the state of Oregon, not too long ago, that was argued on the other side, right? I mean, when you talked about the right, ra- exactly. the, the ranching exactly. thing, I mean, you go back to yeah, Cl- you go to Clinton and w- Waco, right? I mean, that whole thing. So, exactly. so yep, I mean, yep, exactly. But it, insofar as the law is deemed to be legitimate, then then federal you know federal agents can enforce federal law throughout the streets of Portland. Yeah, it's. I just, for me, what worries me, this worries me, it's not a Democratic or Republican or a Trump or anti-Trump thing. It's, I, I just, I feel like we're going towards chaos when it comes to the streets of these cities for political reasons, not for any solutions. If that, yeah. and, and that's where I think, you know, I, I do, I think COVID-19 has been very politicized. I've been very vocal about that to the point where it makes my yeah. skin curl. And I think these two issues of 2020 are so mm-hmm. polarizing and and, yep. and, and they, it just shouldn't be. I mean, these are two things we all should, as Americans, want to have solutions for. And I don't think either side is willing to even want to have a compromise in it because of what's at stake coming up on November 3rd. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do wonder, so after November 3rd, does it, I mean, does this, all this go away? I don't know. I, I, it'll be interesting to see, but I, I think... Who wins? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I suppose, yeah, it does depend who wins, but, uh, but I mean, I think, I think this is with us in, at least until then, and, uh, and you're right. Neither side wants to, you know, wants to do anything to give the other side a victory or a talking point. It's like, it's like we shouldn't be worried about those things when it comes to, you know, the safety of the public and restoring order and getting on the other side of this uh, epidemic. Those are things, like you said, Derek, that uh, the entire country should be able to agree upon uh, should be priorities. Um, and, uh, you know, we could argue about other things on the margin, but these things are so fundamental and existential that you'd think we would all be, you know, mostly all of us be on the same page. It is discouraging, disheartening, uh, and every other disword you can think of to, uh, to see uh, political leaders 
you know, not come together to find solutions to these very uh, troubling, you know, uh, conditions out there. It's just, it is. It's, it's, a, it's a real bummer. Do I, I, my last thing for you, are you concerned about, I mean, how do you think this is looking? Biden's got this lead, but could it be a Michael Dukakis lead? It, it might be. Um, I, you know, if I'm in the Trump camp, I'm legitimately worried. I mean, these, these are, these are, these are big leads. And these are leads in states that, that, you know, Trump should be a lot more competitive in. Um, you know, there was the news today, you know, about, uh, you know, a full two-thirds of Americans are afraid to share their political views, you yeah. know. Uh, yeah, the C- Cato study, yep. so, yeah. so embedded in that could be some Trump vote. Um, but, uh, um, but no, the, you know, the... The, the the degree of leads that are, I mean, it's still a long way out. We've got three debates, you know, that are going to presumably happen. Maybe not, but we'll see. Um, but uh, no, if I'm if I'm in the Trump camp, I'm I'm very worried about about what I'm seeing. Before we let you go, we got a call here. Doug is with us. Hello, Doug. Doctor Bumgarner, I love listening to you. I just wanted to get your take. Uh, going back to kind of what Derek was pointing out, like as as a United States citizen, not as a Republican or, or a Democrat. Does the does the unrest in Portland and Chicago and Minneapolis is is that seen on a on a global scale as a weakness? Does 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 China look at this? Does Russia look at this, or is this just something that's seen internally? Um, I I, I want to hang up and listen to your your answer. Uh, love listening to you. Thanks. Oh, I. If I had a brother, that would be him. Uh, thanks for the thanks for the call. <laughs> compliment. Um, the, uh, I personally, I, uh, I, I totally think these countries are looking at that as weakness and, and probably on social media, they're both contributing, uh, to, you know, to fan the flames. Um, but it, uh, it has definitely, you know, pulled our attention away from, uh, you know, the international stage. Um, you know, Americans could care less right now about Taiwan because, you know, our cities are falling apart and burning to the ground and, and we hate one another. And uh, so it's a huge win for China. It's a huge win for Russia and other uh, potential enemies. Um, and, uh, yeah, the sooner we get on the other side of this and have some semblance of unity on, on the big issues, the better. Yeah, well, I could go into an hour-long thing about how it seems like China and Russia are fighting for the puppet strings for us, but I mean, that's all different, too. I mean, I'll leave, <laughs> we'll leave that for coast to coast at 9 o'clock. All right. Right, right. <laughs> all right. Dr. Baumgartner, thanks so much for your time. As always, we'll talk to you again very soon. It's my pleasure. Thanks, Derek. Yeah. That was